All right. So we are back with the Florida Keys Weekly Podcast, the number one podcast in this area of Stock Island, Key West, Florida. Uh, actually, the number one podcast from just right here. Uh, I'm Brett Myers, publisher of the Keys Weekly, and I have a special guest today, folks, who is here at our world headquarters uh, with the Keys Weekly. Sheriff Rick Ramsey is in the house today. Um, doesn't get any better than this. He had nothing else to do today and tried to give me 10 excuses, and he said, okay, I'll do it. So here he is. In all, in all seriousness, we are honored to have Sheriff Rick Ramsey on the Florida Keys Weekly podcast sheriff which is also the number one in the hearts number one in the charts so we love the podcast <laughs> everybody this is a great podcast great crew here i'm glad to be here with you Britt. this is an exciting day for me and Britt gave me a call and i say yep i want to be there right away don't speak too soon we uh we got some time to kill here so we'll see how you feel oh, okay. after this thing uh no in all seriousness so sheriff ramsey uh rick ramsey we go way back i met you and i you're now you're a long time local uh conk now if you're from now before i get started there's always this debate if you're from Marathon or the Upper Keys, do you st- do you guys still call one another conks? Like if you're from if you're born here, um, that is definitely interpretational. But from Marathon, yes, you're, if you are here and you are from the Keys, it doesn't matter where you're at. The people in the central north part of the county believe that they also are conks. If you're born in the Florida Keys, you're from here, you're a conk. But some in the south may dispute that. All right. Well, there you go. If the sheriff says it, that's it's that's, official. It's the law of the land. Now we'll talk about law enforcement and sheriff stuff and Jonathan Crane and Captain Crane, things like that that are important. But first, uh, I I met you when I first came to Marathon. So when I first came to the Keys, I am not a conk. I came in two thousand six. My son is a conk, but um, I think I don't know if I met you or your father first. And it's hard to talk to you. Uh, I'll jump into that real quick. It's hard to talk to you without talking about your dad. He's a, he was an amazing man, uh, city commissioner up there when I met him in Marathon. Um, tell me a little bit about growing up in Marathon and having him as a father and what that meant to you. Well, you know, Marathon was a great place to grow up when I was a kid in the um, 70s. It was really um, a rural town, rural city, just a two-lane road, one north, one south. And during summertime, it was truly an off-season. There was uh, no tourism. In fact, a lot of our businesses would close two months during the summer and send their employees off on vacation because there was not enough volume of work. But when I was a kid, it was a good place to grow up, to um, you know, go to the beach and hydroslide and do stuff on, the, on water when I could. I had friends at Little Boston Whalers. We'd go out and play sometimes. But my dad had a gas station called Surfside, and my dad did make me work a lot. I worked there all the time, not because I wanted to, but I was told, you are working, so enjoy so i was uh started at 13 working at the gas station what'd you, Pump, what'd you do at the gas station? man i was pumping gas cleaning windows you know all the grunt stuff all the dirty stuff was there, trash was there one of those bells and people drove up did you yes sir what okay. ding 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 okay. ding so, yep just so like Sher- so sheriff rick ramsey comes out he does the windows pumps the gas could you buy like if you wanted to, want to buy a soda would they send you in or was that part of the deal uh, they full service. They want you to go in and get a soda. You bring it out to them. It didn't whatever they want done. My dad was all about customer service and providing whatever service the, the customers wanted and deserved and expected and demanded. But thirteen, I could barely reach the windows of a truck trying to clean the windows, and it was um, you know grunt work, emptying garbage cans, pumping gas, you know cleaning windows, uh, checking tires. You know nothing you want to do. You want to be playing with your friends and be on the beach. And <laughs> this is weekends after school, holiday, summers. I was like, man, this is a bunch of garbage, man. But I learned the value of a dollar. I learned the hard value of a hard day's work. You know, I had um, money, so I was able to buy stuff. It was interesting when you were early on, be able to have a checkbook and have money. And if you wanted something, you could afford to buy it. So, no, what what year would this have been about, Sheriff? Here you are in Marathon. Your father has the gas station. It's well known up there. 
Uh, was it a Chevron? What kind? It, of? it was first a um, Surfside. Surf. It was a. Um, it started out as a Sunoco. Okay. And then it was a Golf. Majority time was a Golf, and then towards the end it was a Sitco. So it changed a few times. Majority time it was um, Surfside Golf. And what what year would this have been? Uh, it was about 1979 when I was uh, pumping gas. 79. And is that location? So people familiar all across the Keys listening listening to this. Here's Sheriff Rick Ramsey. You're 13. You're pumping gas at your dead station. Where's that location at today for a landmark? Well, it's um, close to Vacaca Bridge Oceanside. It's right across from the Design Source Center. Yeah. Right across the street, that two-story gray building yep. is the old um, Surfside Gulf my dad had for 30, 40 years. That's amazing. Yeah, good times, good memories. Now, you're 13 there. Obviously, your dad, no surprise there that, that Dick Ramsey was installed that work ethic in you. And it's obvious today with you and even with him, people were well aware of that, and that's what he was known for. Um, did you know then as a kid, I mean, a lot of kids dream of being a policeman or a fireman or military, but did you know then like law enforcement was something you wanted to do? You know, I did. And it was uh, contrary to what my father wanted. My dad always wanted me to take over the family business. Mm-hmm. But even when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a, a police officer or I wanted to fly helicopters in the army. Only two things I wanted to do. And I always knew what I was focused on. So my dad was never a big fan. In fact, I went to the police academy and started in 1987 as a police officer. My father was not happy, was not supportive. It took a while for my dad to really see me mature and, and, and that it was a good niche. When I became a patrol sergeant and was doing a lot of different stuff in the community, and I think my father really then started becoming um, really proud and happy that I was doing. But first few years, not a fan. Gotcha. Now, I've seen pictures on Facebook, throwbacks from those 70s and early 80s, uh, some muscle cars and you and some guys in Marathon hanging out there. Uh, I mean, those are pretty fun to look at. I mean, I think people see you now and they, and you don't age very much. That's why we all hate you. But, um, and, uh, you always look young. I'm trying to get out of parking tickets here. Shanice. That's helping. We have Shanice the Santos over here. She's, she's handling the switchboard. We've got Sheriff Rick Ramsey. Uh, but sure enough, looking back at some of those fun Facebook posts that you post sometimes, social media is pretty cool to look back at just your life before. Cause I think everyone now just knows you and I met you before you were sheriff. I mean, you were very active. But looking back at those times, you, I mean, you're just a, you're one of the most well-known guys in the Keys. You've been here your whole life. You've always been very involved. Um, I mean, have you ever thought about what it would be like if you didn't grow up in the Florida Keys? You're so in... in you know. 100% I've thought about it. You know, um, the Keys being such a small community is so awesome to know each and every person for the most part. But I had a lot of opportunities here knowing people, and it's nice to know everybody and be supportive. And here you're able to accomplish and achieve stuff that you probably couldn't in the bigger cities. I was able to do stuff here that I just couldn't have done in other places. And, you know, years of being marathon fire and, you know, spent a lot of time as a firefighter, you know, about 15 plus years of marathon at the same time and was the deputy chief of marathon fire and opportunities to be a deputy chief of a fire department and sheriff of a, a sheriff's office and, and all the experiences and opportunities I've had in a sheriff's office, SWAT and dive and field training. I was a motor officer for four years on police motorcycles and, I've had just so many good times. You know, I had a patrol Mustang when I was in traffic enforcement, a five-speed Mustang for patrol car, a KZ-1000 motorcycle at the same time. I was like, man, don't get much better than this. I'm in my Mustang, and I'm in, if I don't want to ride the Mustang, I'll just get my motorcycle. And it was a really good, fun time to grow up, but also a good time to be a law enforcement officer in a community, which really uh, loves and appreciates sir, these um, officers. I think that's one thing people don't realize, too, that don't know you as well or just know you as the sheriff. I, and I tell the story, and you get, you're like, come on, Britt. But I was behind you. This is a couple of years back. We were leaving military affairs over here in Key West. You were pulling back around towards the triangle, going north out of Key West. 
and you pulled, you stopped your car and I thought, Oh no, he's going to do, I must've, am I getting a ticket or what's he doing to me? And I thought paranoid. Yeah, I was. And, uh, I started putting things up and, um, <laughs> I saw you get out and then you started moving trash off of the road. It was in, and I guess that's normal. I mean, I know you protect and serve, but to see the sheriff doing that. But then over the years, that's one thing you've always said. You, you said, hey, I don't ask my guys to do anything. I've heard you say this a lot of times that I wouldn't do or that I haven't done. And I think, you know, you having that background, I didn't realize that about the fire deputy uh, all the way until now. But I think probably explains why it's very important to you. you it seems like you guys have a great relationship, for example, with Key West Police Department and, and Sean Brandenburg and his crew in other agencies, whether it be uh, uh, FWC, whoever it is, seems like coordination, being able to coordinate, get along, communicate has been a big key to your success. And I think, I think most people, anybody really looks at your tenure as sheriff. It is a success. And uh, is that, does that have something to do with your ability to kind of bring people together and, and police and serve the keys? I mean, all those groups. Well, I think it does for sure. I focus on communication, cooperation, partnership, Teamwork, all are critical to be effective. And I always focus on our partnerships with our law enforcement agency, state, local, federal, focusing as one big team, one big team we can be effective. Also, I focus on partnerships with our citizens. They're an extension of the sheriff's office. I tell people all the time, if our citizens know us, they're going to like us, trust us, and respect us. If you don't know us, you can't like us, you can't trust us, and you can't respect us. So part of my community policing programs are trying to get my men and women to be out, to be visible, to be known. I want them in rotary, chamber, leadership, volunteering, out visible, community outreach, community policing. We want to be leading by example, focusing on what we call better, cleaner, safer streets, better, cleaner, safer neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. As you know, my officers go out. We do community cleanups all the time. I actually had one this morning, 8 o'clock this morning. I was at Baya Honda, 35-mile marker, me and a group of officers picking up the trash that's floating in or being left by people fishing on the end of the bridge. What a beautiful scenic area right there by the Baya Honda Bridge. Well, when people come to take pictures or walk or look or fish, we want it to be clean, pretty. We want it to be a scenic area where people want to take pictures, want to come back, want to talk about it. You don't want to take a picture of a beautiful bridge in the background is a bunch of trash, garbage, and, and debris. Yeah, you've, you've always said that, too. Um and I've been, I've had the luxury of hearing you speak and, and being around you most of my time here in the Keys. So I don't want to just kind of reiterate it, but I think some of these things are important for those that don't know. You've led some really good initiatives with uh, graffiti and people painting on our bridges and different structures and so forth. And that's been a big deal for you. And I always thought that was pretty cool. You know, I know Sheriff Ramsey, I know Rick, he's, he's cleaning up and that's just how he is. He's a cool dude. But you made a point one time, I think at a rotary or something, you said, hey, when you're doing that kind of stuff, you're getting rid of it. It, it creates a certain mentality for the place. Like, you know, you go to a place and you see graffiti everywhere and things run down. It creates a mindset for people in the area. And it's actually a deterrent to crime. If you keep places cleaned up, you keep the, and that was a pretty interesting thing to hear you say. 100%. When I talk to Rotarians and different groups, I ask people, when you go to Miami, and you see those areas where you're just graffitied on the walls and everywhere you see overpasses and bridges and back of buildings. What's the first thing you think? And I hear all the time, gangs, crime, violence. So I tell people, look, if you see that and that's your perception, then it's reality. Whether it's true or not, it's in your mind, it's true. And when people do see graffiti, that's true. They're going to think gangs, crime, violence. Mm -hmm. We don't have that problem. We're at all-time low for crime. So our focus is, I tell my commanders, once you see or become aware of graffiti, you've got 24 hours to remove it. If you do not remove it in 24 hours, I will remove you 
and find someone to do your job. Oh. Now, Britt, this is never meant to be um, mean. Right. But in life, you need to know what's expected of you. If I don't make it crystal clear to my commanders about what I want them to do, what my mission is, what their objectives are, then how can I expect them to go out and be successful? And it's just like having kids or anything else. You have to hold people accountable. Mm-hmm. I hold my people accountable to carry out the mission tasks that I direct them to do. And the directions are focused on our clean initiatives, our quality of life initiatives. I tell my commanders, I don't want to see graffiti. I know our citizens don't. I don't want to see sharpening cards. I don't want to see trash. You know, we have the ability as law enforcement officers within our homes to have patrol cars to make sure our communities are where we live are safe and clean. We, but other people who don't have guns and, and patrol cars don't have that ability. We have to do that for them. So I keep trying to get buy-in. A lot of my officers ask me, why do we have to do it? I said, who's going to do it? We don't want to do it. Right. We don't want to pick up trash and diapers. And, but who is going to do it? At the end of the day, is, is nobody. So, you know, um, and we want it to happen that other people want to go out and do something. They see the – we try to get people to come out with us as part of community leaders and neighborhoods to take back your communities. But we see other groups that want to go out and do their own cleanups. I love it that they're, um, you know, emulating us, that they're maybe taking a page out of our playbook. You know, we see some more groups that really step up there, you know, the um, that come out and do these cleanups. I love it. You know, I say, hey, call us. We'll come out and help you. How many, you talk about your guys being out there doing that and staffing across the country is an issue. And I know you all face that just like we all do. But in terms of just the staffing right now, um, with Monroe County Sheriff's Department. How many men and women work under the Sheriff's Department and how close to that is being is that to being fully staffed right now? Boy, I tell you, Britt, that's a tough answer for everybody right now. We have, Sheriff's Office has almost 600 employees. We're a pretty big, large uh, provider. You know, 600? Yeah, you know, we're trying to provide law enforcement services countywide to, which is not a big county in numbers, but when you look at the linear length of 113 miles, I've got four patrol stations, three jails. The county's got three of everything because you have to have duplication service. There's three Coast Guard stations, there's three DSMVs, there's three courthouse, three clerk's office. So we have triplication of services to make sure people have fast response. Now, we struggle like everyone else because this is the highest cost of living county in the state of Florida, we know. And we just saw the price of homes going through the roof. Yeah. 58% of the homes are vacation rentals. We know there's only 17% of the homes in the Keys are homestead exemption, which tells you how many homes are really here available for people to rent. A lot of second, third homes which are not being rented. A lot of people that live in them. The number of homes that are out there for people to live are so far and few, and when they do come up, they're so expensive because supply and demand. We have people that want to work here. I say, man, I want to work there. I just can't afford to live down there. So we struggle with turnaround. Sometimes we think we're a training ground. We have new officers that come in from um, South Dade maybe or somewhere like They get their first job with us. We send them to radar school and toxizer school, um, maybe field training school. We get some – the first two years are the biggest liability for us to make a bad decision. The first two years they're learning. They're rookies that are most likely to use a force or make a bad arrest or get me sued. After two years, uh, if they haven't been in trouble, they're probably doing pretty good. And at this point in time, they're really becoming asset. By that time is when they're looking for jobs in mainland Dade County where they can afford a home. And when they leave, we get exit interviews. They always say the same thing. We love it. We love the community, the volume of work, the people support us, the great equipment training, but we can't afford to live down there. And they tell me, look, I want to stay here, but one day I want to get married. I want to have a family and I want to have a home. I cannot achieve it here in the Keys. I have to go somewhere else, take a pay cut, start from the bottom again, and one day try to buy a home somewhere else. So right now I've got 
I think, between 25 and 30 positions down at the uh, jail. Right now, I've got the Marathon Jail shut down because I can't staff it. I had to move all those inmates to Key West. But that creates operational issues for patrol division in the Marathon area because there's no jail. So if you arrest somebody, you've got to drive an hour to Key West. Is that crazy? It's it's amazing to think about. And I think it's got to be interesting. And, and again, we're at the Florida Keys Weekly Podcast. We're talking to Sheriff Rick Ramsey, uh, Monroe County Sheriff here in the Florida Keys. And you, you think about that. I think when you probably talk to your peers and other sheriffs, does anyone else in the state of Florida have, I mean, the key, well, you know the keys are unique. And if we live here, we know that. I'm not, I'm not telling you anything, something that's not new. But when you talk to your peers as sheriffs and you say, yeah, my county is only this many square miles, but it extends, as you said, 113 miles of highway in different, different towns, different personalities. Does anyone else compare to that in Florida? I mean, no, no way. And our county is broken up. Like you just said, which is so difficult, but even in makeup, Lower Keys, Key West, almost all Democrats. You know, Upper <laughs> Keys, Island Rod, Key Largo, Ocean Reef, almost all Republicans. In the middle, um, you know, a lot of independents. We have one, almost one-third Republicans, one-third Democrats, one-third independents, which is unusual in any county. Most counties are either Republican or Democrat. I think Broward County is almost 90% Democrat right now. But it's unusual to see such a makeup of a third, a third, a third, and compartmentalized based on where you live in the county. So those are interesting, um, you know, facts. But other agencies have manpower allocation problem, but we are just so difficult here, again, for the housing. Like anybody, every yeah. other business can't get people. I got six jobs down right now for dispatchers. I've got jobs open on patrol. I've got jobs and warrants and records. I probably got 45 jobs for citizens who want jobs, but either they can't afford to live here or they don't want jobs right now in life. We see across the nation that no one can get and keep employees. We're all struggling, trying to be more efficient and more effective, do more with less, and somehow accomplish the goals to keep our citizens safe, have good response time. We're thankful right now that we said earlier this we're at an all-time low for crime, but, boy, it gets harder when you have staffing issues, Britt. I imagine. And, and so how are you doing on time, Shanice? Shanice is to our right, Shanice DeSantos. She says 10 minutes. We're doing good. we got Sheriff Rick Ramsey here. Uh, Sheriff, more general question. With the Internet age really being – in the last 15, 20 years, what it is um, with things happening in the past eight years, no matter if you lean left or right, whichever president you support, we know DC has been a hot button. The police have been in the spotlight more and more law enforcement, in the spotlight press loves to, and here I am the press, but we know the press will stories. They highlight the negative, right? It takes one bad apple and that's the front page. You don't see the other 99%. We know that, but how does that, how's it, you know, how different is your job now? than it was say 10 years ago. And then how do you, when you bring a new, you know, kind of couple that question, whether you bring a, new, a young guy or woman into the force, how do you explain to them how important that is in the culture that you guys have developed here? And, and is that something that's hard to get across or is that, is that just something that the outside world makes a bigger deal out? You know, the bad apples are what we focus on. It's really not something that you have to focus on as much. I, I don't know if I'm asking that the right way, but you know, I think how, I got the gist. Yeah. You know, um, I tell people all the time, you know, 99% of the lawmen in America are good, hardworking men and women doing a difficult job, not making much money, risking their safety to make sure we all have a, a safe a home to live in and go to in community. They do it because it's a passion and because they want to help people. I tell people, you're never going to be rich being a police officer. If you're doing it, you hope you're doing it because you want to do it. Right. And it's, it's fun, action, excitement. You get to help people. But also it's a difficult job. see a lot of sad, difficult things too. But the reality is, are there some bad apples? I tell people all the time, absolutely. But there's bad apples in every part of the 
society of jobs, Home Depot, Kmart, our military, our government, police, fire, rescue, government, you know, I don't care where it is. There are some people that make poor decisions that maybe should never have been in that job that um, embarrass those agencies, those organizations. We look back on TV every night, someone doing something stupid. We're not exempt. We're just now under the microscope and being pinpointed and, and focused as the uh, focal point. And what we see across the nation is difficult that in some areas like Portland and Seattle and Chicago and New York, you see day after day, night after night, destroying their own communities, burning, looting, trashing, beating the violence. You see the amount of crime going up to 250, 300, 400 percent of violent crimes, murders, rapes, robberies are going through the roofs. But I tell people we're different because a lot of those areas did not have good community relations before. Uh, Mr. Floyd got uh, in that situation with the police and, and passed away. Those communities were already on the bridge of, of poor relations. The cops didn't know and like the community. The community didn't know and like the cops. If they don't know each other, it's kind of hard to respect, talk, communicate, and have relationships. So when something bad took place, which was terrible, I, I, I can't defend the officer in that case for the um, killing of Mr. Floyd. He's where he deserves to be in, in jail. When cops do wrong, they need to be held accountable. I take great pride in holding our people accountable. And you see the newspaper and you print stuff. If we do something wrong, I tell people, you're going to hear from me first. And if our people do wrong, we take the appropriate action, whether it be documentation, retraining, discipline, demotion, termination. Whatever needs to get done, we do the right thing. But because the sheriff's office here has longstanding community ties and relationships that we build and foster and work around the clock, mm -hmm. And because our people know us, they like us, trust us, respect us, when something's happening in other parts of the area, we're not being labeled and painted with the same brush here locally. In fact, all we had was support from our community. There was protests here in this community, but there were never protests against the sheriff's office. There were protests and focused on lack of equality in other geographic areas. Well, I noticed one of those protests, and we had it in our paper, was uh, one here in Key West. And um, it was following, I think, uh, the the murder of uh, Floyd. Uh, but I, whichever incident it followed, um, it was fairly tense in the country. There was a protest. If you want to call it a pro, you know, protest here to bring attention and awareness. But uh, I thought it was a great moment of unity. Um, showed a, a lot about you and and our agency and our officers here that you and. You know, we have Monroe County Sheriff Rick Ramsey here, and then we had uh, Key West uh, Police Chief uh, Sean Brandenburg uh, out there with you as well. And you guys were leading that program. I mean, Y'all were up there in the front walking together in solidarity for that. And I thought that was a big deal. And I think a lot of people across the country saw that, if I don't recall. And I think that was a big deal. It spoke volumes for the keys and how we operate here. And that spoke volumes for you. Um, so I'll ask you this question. I'll flip that around. That's the kind of the negative. I get It's not negative, but it has a negative connotation that comes with it. What is it that people, as we kind of get here to the end, what is it people with, you know, you have 600 people in Monroe County Sheriff's Department. What is it they don't see, uh, the public, that you're so proud of, that, you know, these men and women do every day that maybe we take for granted as citizens or maybe we just don't see it as much and we all get caught up in a lot of the talking points, the negative, but what's the things that we don't see out there that you're proud of? What to what you see every day is what people expect. They see us out there patrolling, stopping, giving tickets, you know, going to calls. And most of our calls are negative. And I hate to say this, but most calls with law enforcement are negative because when we come out, it's usually at the worst times in people's lives. Someone's getting arrested. Someone's going to jail. We're giving bad news, death notification. Someone's getting a ticket. We're breaking the party up. 
uh, you were a victim of a crime, we didn't solve it. You know, generally, you've been in a car crash, you know, why are you happy to see us? You know, you're in yeah. the worst state of your mind. So what we do so much is what we keep saying. We try to build a relationship early on the good times when you're in bad times where there is your friend, someone you know. But what you, what you don't see, I think, as much as how much our people do above and beyond to try to go out the little things. I tell people it's the smallest things you do that people don't expect you to do that make the biggest impact. They expect us to respond to calls. They expect us to arrest bad guys and gals. They expect us to write tickets. But when you're out there changing someone's tire, you're bringing home someone's lost puppy that's walking the road. Did you pick up and you track down the owner? You've seen pictures of our, our officers with the puppies in their cars driving around and while they try to find the owner. We're bringing someone's garbage can, which is rolling around in the middle of the street. The, the things they don't expect us to do, which we do all the time. I can't tell you how many times our officers do things that is not part of our job, that most agencies would not do, that the citizens don't expect us to do, but we go out and stop and do that extra uh, pull that, you know, trash them on the road. Most agencies just drive by trash or a board. Well, we hit a board, it pops up, it goes through the windshield of a car or a rock. Uh. You know, we do stuff that that if people just knew how many things that we go above and beyond are doing to try to make their lives better, safer, quality of life, focus on our communities. And that's a staple point with me. But we highlight big community cleanups when you got 15, 20 people out there back of a truck. Those are stuff people see. But we don't highlight the small stuff. Because we'd be doing it all day long. There'd be 50 pictures of us spraying out small little areas. You know, 90, 9 out of 10 stuff we can spray out with spray cans. This morning we did the community cleanup, but we also at the same time were spraying out graffiti. Yeah. But you don't see most of that because you're not going to have the paper have a picture of us spraying out small little stuff. But the small things are the big things. Yeah. So we try to continue to be proactive, not reactive. Try to spend time to prevent, deter crime. Be aggressive. If it happens, be aggressive. Try to investigate, solve it, and try to put bad people in jail, hold them accountable, stop crime sprees, which were so effective. People ask me all the time, Britt, how are you so effective? How are we at all-time low for crime? How are we at all-time high for our ability to solve major index crime? And I give credit where it's due. I say it's a three-pronged approach. First has to be the hard-working men and women in the sheriff's office, which you hear every day doing a very difficult job trying to make people's things safe. Second prong is the strong community partnerships relationships we have state, local, and federal, which you talk about every day, has to exist. I've got to be able to have a good, constant conversation with Chief Brandenburg, with um, state, local, federal. The prisoners are the prisoners. The, in, the, the, the people who are committing crimes in the city are the same ones coming in the county committing crimes. The ones that are in the county go into the city commit crimes. Right. But I care about all areas, irregardless of that. So if we talk, share, pass, uh, pass information, if we work together as one big team, we're more efficient and more effective. The third prong approach is what we talk about here today so much, community policing, community partnerships. If people know us, they're likely to call us and give us heads up, give us a tip, tell us who they think did something, they heard something on the street, this is going to happen. You know, half the people in this county have got my cell phone. They all call me. I answer everybody's phone. They send you, me. Unfortunately, I, you know that I have it too. So you try to get that back from my business partner and I, Jason Kohler. We use that quite a bit. I was going to change my number, but I got too many people <laughs> that got it. Um, we got Sheriff Rick Ramsey here. We're wrapping up here. A couple minutes left. You're not get, getting off this easy. I, I know you've got these great talking points, and that's what the listeners need to hear. But uh, I'm not letting letting you get off that easy. So darn it. A couple minutes here. Uh, when I knew you back in Marathon, before you. By the way, how many terms? Now, you've gone unopposed, and you kick me every time. You don't want to talk about this or jinx it, but you go unopposed for a reason. How many How many times you ran, what year, and became sheriff? I took office January of 2013. And have you been opposed ever since? Uh, un- unopposed. No, uh, I had opposition the first time I ran. 
When I won in 2012 and became the sheriff in 2013, I've had two more terms since then. I've been unopposed the last two terms. Two terms, okay. Um, now, I knew you before you were a sheriff in Marathon. We would hang out there. Uh, you were Mr. Bachelor. Uh, Shanice, you don't know this. Like, here's here's good-looking guy in town. Everyone knew he was going to be sheriff. He was, you know, he was the chosen one, and for all good reasons. Uh, but the ladies, you know, you know, Rick Ramsey, that's Mr. Bachelor. I was jealous. Still am. Um, but uh, he's kicking me now. Recently, no, it's not recently anymore. You were married, what, six, seven years ago now? Yeah, I got married, um, I was 49, so I'm 55 now, so yeah, about six years ago. All righty. So now, now how does that, how does a guy like you make it that far? And of course, you married a, a lot of luck. wonderful person. You did. You over, and it, come to find out you overshot. And, uh, it, <laughs> <laughs> and I can relate to that. So I can say that. Oh, funny. Uh, but no, so um, you guys are a great couple. You're, you're a huge part of the community. Um, I'll wrap up with this. So one thing I love about you is, you know, you start telling me stories that you don't realize I'm going to repeat because it's going to embarrass you. But um, obviously one of your mentors, uh, uh, Sheriff Roth, that came years before you, the relationship you had with him, we were talking beforehand uh, and you said, we, we were talking about a trip you were going to do and how it's great to give back to people when they retire and as they get older. And you, and it was pretty interesting to hear you say, and you weren't bragging. You didn't think I was going to bring this back up, but you said, you know, Brett, sometimes it just matters to people to reach out, go see them once they retire. And you said once Sheriff Roth retired, not many people are going to see him. You end up going up and cutting his grass. You'd reach out to him. Um, I just thought that was really neat. So can, to kind of wrap up, can you tell me about that relationship, maybe what he added to your career? Uh, anyone else that you want to mention real quick? Well, thank you. That Yeah, I got hired under um, Sheriff Billy Freeman, which most people don't know, hired me a long time ago. Um, Shirley Freeman's uh, late husband. Mm-hmm. But Sheriff Roth was uh, in the sheriff's office, and he was an uh, iconic uh, leader, as we know. I actually was his undersheriff for two terms. For about nine years, I was his second-in-command, so he had confidence in me to bring me up and uh, take over the role as second-in-command. So it was a great mentor. We had a good partnership. We worked well together. I think we were a really good team. And then, obviously, he was very supportive of me. And I've continued to be um, just a solid, strong friend of his throughout the time. And when he did retire, I told him the same thing. Be prepared. You're used to your phone going off 50 times a day. People come by your house all the time. When you retire, you know your phone dries up. And I did say to you, yes, when you retired, I remained um, super um, close to the Sheriff Roth, made a point to call him every single week, check on him, go by his house once, twice a month, and spend time with him. Later on in life, when he got uh, sick, when he was battling cancer and some other stuff, you know, wasn't um, in a physical condition to take care of the lawn. Yes, I'd bring my mower up every couple of weeks and cut his grass, and he had a big lawn. <laughs> he had a big lawn. But, you know, it's... Um, he was a great friend. You know, I missed him, and I enjoyed spending time with him, but it's always important to remember as people get older and when they retire, retirement isn't what people think it is always, and sometimes going from 180 miles an hour to zero is hard for people to transition, and it's always important to spend time with people as they get older in life, and, you know, one day we're all going to be there like we talked about. Yep. We hope someone else spends some time with us, and, you know, whether it be my friend Amal Vash, we spend time with him, you know, whether it be Rick Roth, um, you know, Bob Guerin, friends of mine, it's important that you uh, don't forget these friends of yours. You know, we're wrapping up here, and you and I said that. It's weird to think about Sheriff Roth or anyone like that. We just assume they must have a ton of people, you know, giving them a call. He's an important guy. People love him. They know him. It's not as if – but I think people just assume that there's people around. And it's cool to hear you say that about a mentor, a guy that you, you served under and were able, you know, to do that. Um, last question. Let's wrap it up. We have Sheriff Rick Ramsey here, Monroe County Sheriff's Department. Um, 
here on the Florida Keys Weekly Podcast. Sheriff, cliche question, but when it's when you retire, whenever that might be, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want that one officer or someone to say, you know what, this is what I this is why he was my leader or this is what he did for Monroe County. What do you want that to be? Well, when I retire, that's uh, down the road for sure. I think some point in time, I've got 35 years in now. I'm hoping to do one more term. But when I do retire, I hope people look back and, and focus and memory on just how truly committed I was to our community. You know, every agency talks about community policing and problem-oriented policing, and they say the buzzwords, but most don't back it up. I hope the officers look at why I was so focused on community policing, how, what we did, how it positively infected, uh, affected our citizens and our crime rates, the good stuff that came out of these relationships. I hope they see that there's a need. It works. There's a reason why that we focus on quality of life, going above and beyond, and, and putting our citizens first and focusing on our commitment to our community. That's real. It's not just um, reactive to a call that we are out there trying to do the better good and hope someone carries that legacy on and continues to focus on what's most important is our community, our citizens. Absolutely. Well, we're wrapping up. Sheriff Rick Ramsey, I appreciate it. I didn't bug you with COVID questions today. I know that's a big part of what you guys have to face every day. Um, And so what you guys do face, you, the men and women uh, that serve with you and under you, um, we appreciate it. I know a lot goes on, you you know, without it being necessarily always seen in the public eye, what you're doing right. But it's very much felt we didn't talk about all the crime, just the rates and the successes that uh, your agency has performed. And it's in the numbers. I mean, this is not just a just to, to toot your horn, but this is all factual stuff. People can, um, if they want to learn more about what's going on, I guess that's one way to end this. Uh, is do you send people to the site? Where do you send people to learn to learn more on this? Yeah, Britt, you know, keysso.net is our site. You know, there's amazing stuff on there. We have the sheriff's app, which most people have. If you don't get the sheriff's office app, it's on uh, Google. It's free. It gives you um, alerts to what's going on, uh, arrest pages. Uh, there's so much information on there. Storm stuff. Uh, you know sexual offenders in your community uh, people who are arrested arrest page number one hit site in the it, county it, you know it's, everybody's it's, got that it's, not, it's, not, it's some people's dating site 100 percent. hey you do what you gotta do hard time so yeah keysso.net or the sheriff's app we think is a really important thing for you to have absolutely well sheriff you've got a lot to do i conned you into this i said it's going to be very short and brief i lied to you i kept you longer like i always do you're always a great sport you always support us at the keys weekly you support the local charities we do the bubba's best of marathon key west people's choice awards you're always there um you're always part of the community i appreciate it thanks for coming on and uh i will talk to you soon enough hopefully not behind my car uh looking at me with the lights on but uh hope hope to catch up soon thank you so much Brett. thank you for your friendship and partnership i appreciate it